that win against the Carolina Hurricanes for the New Jersey Devils, that wasn't just any ordinary win. That was a statement victory. And also, we're going to talk about Lindy Ruff and his lineup decisions and the struggles of Timo Meyer and why I'm not concerned about it in the slightest. We have a lot to talk about in today's episode, Locked on Devils. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked on Devils. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play by play announcer, Devils Ride for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part time credential media member Trey Matthews. So I know it's been a minute, but I am back. So if you're wondering where I've been the last week or so, I was on spring break. I went to the lake with some of my friends. I had a great time. So that's why I was sort of grinding out those episodes around the trade deadline period, trying to give you guys more content because I knew I was going to be away for an extended period of time. But now it is back to business and I have so much catching up to do. But uh, I was able to, to narrow it down into one episode. So let's start with the biggest talking point, which is in their previous matchup, the New Jersey Devils were able to shut out the Carolina Hurricanes by a score of three to nothing. So this isn't going to be a game recap episode, but that game is too important to not discuss. So that game was a test for the New Jersey Devils, and they rose to the occasion, and they were able to come away with the win. Now, why was it important? Why was it a test? Well, I wrote down all the storylines going into the matchup, and I'm going to go over each one. So let's rewind the clocks a little bit. Let's go back a couple games prior when the New Jersey Devils played against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We all know how that turned out. John Tavares was not playing in that game. Neither was Ryan O'Reilly. Seemed like the New Jersey Devils had the game in the bag. They were up 3-2. to two. Unfortunately, they allowed for the Toronto Maple Leafs to score two unanswered goals late in period number three. And as a result, the New Jersey Devils come out on the losing end. And that was probably one of the more disappointing losses throughout the course of the year. So it's actually quite ironic that a couple of the New Jersey Devils' most disappointing losses of the season have come at the hands of Toronto Maple Leafs. Because if you guys recall, during the first half of the year, the Devils had a chance to break their franchise record for longest consecutive win streak. And unfortunately, as I like to recall that night as trash night at the Prudential Center, we knew how that one wound up for the Devils. They had three goals waved off and fans got pissed off. They they started throwing trash onto the rink. And now here we are in March. Devils lose a stinker to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I saw a tweet lingering around and I know this person and I I don't want to call him out or anything. So I'm not going to reveal his name or his association, but he basically said that that game against the Toronto Maple Leafs for the Devils, that was a game that the Devils needed to win if they wanted to be taken more seriously. Now, here's the thing. I'd say he's half right. So on the spectrum of where he is correct, he is right. That's a game that the New Jersey Devils should not be losing because the Toronto Maple Leafs, like I said, they were down two key players and the Devils need to like try to rack up as many points as they possibly can. And obviously uh, they're trying to solidify themselves in the NHL world as a legitimate playoff contender, like not a team that can just make the playoffs, but a team that can maybe be like one of the 
last few teams standing and, and try to maybe legitimately hoist up the Stanley Cup come the end of the year. However, a lot of people are underestimating the true potential of the Devils. Now, where he's incorrect, I still think the New Jersey Devils, despite being listed as underdogs, I still think they've established themselves as a serious playoff team. Now, how far they go in the playoffs, we're just going to have to wait and see. But in terms of being a playoff team, I think the Devils have solidified that and they have definitely broken uh, and shattered expectations. So he is right. That was a game that the Devils should have won. And at this stage of the season, those are games that the Devils should not be losing. However, I still think the Devils are a serious team. Now, how do they rebound from that? Obviously, they won in a shootout thanks to Timo Meyer against the Washington Capitals. And now fast forward to this game against the Carolina Hurricanes. We, we knew what was at stake. If you ain't first, you're last. If the Devils won this game against the Carolina Hurricanes, the Devils would have tied the Carolina Hurricanes for first in the Metropolitan Division. So going into the season, the main question was, can the New Jersey Devils play meaningful games at this point of the year? Not just go through the motions and just say, season's basically over. We'll wait till next year. We'll see how they uh, answer on back in the offseason if they make a trade, a signing, a draft pick, whatever the case might be. No, 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 no. The mindset was, at this point in the year, can the New Jersey Devils play a meaningful game of hockey? Whether they're a fringe playoff team or trying to get that first placement in the Metropolitan Division, we were just wondering, can the Devils do it? And they were able to do it. And Bill Spaulding and Candanico, they mentioned this on air, which was there was sort of a nervous tension amongst the fan base at the beginning of the game. You basically could cut through the tension with a knife. It was like silent almost because those fans were on the edge of their seats waiting to erupt because everyone knew what was at stake. Everyone knew that the Devils could possibly move back into first place in the Metro, albeit it's a tie, but still they're, they're in the first position and they're going up against one of the best teams in the NHL. And we, we knew what happened during the course of December when the Devils played against the Carolina Hurricanes. So it was just that mindset. Can the Devils uh, rebound from a couple games ago and try to redeem themselves this time around? Because it, it, like, going back to that tweet that I mentioned saying if the Devils want to be taken seriously, okay, I think they are a serious team. But here's another factor, which is how do you rebound from adversity? Because losses like that are going to happen. It doesn't matter if you're the best team in the NHL. doesn't matter if you're the worst team. But how you rebound from it makes the team. And I think the Devils have rebounded quite nicely because, like I just mentioned, they beat the Washington Capitals in a shootout. They just beat the Carolina Hurricanes. They shut out the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes, they were without Andrei Shnetsikov, but still, at the end of the day, the Devils were able to shut out uh, their division rival, a, a team that has one of the best records in the NHL, and, and some of their star players stepped up to the plate big time. So Jack Hughes going into that game, he had gone six straight games without scoring a goal. And Jack Hughes is trying to chase 100 points and be the first player in Devils history to reach or eclipse 100 points. Now, he would need to get, I, I believe I saw the stat, he would need to get like 21 points in the next 16 games in order to, uh, to reach 100 points. Can he do it? We'll see. I, I'm not going to underestimate Jack Hughes, and maybe this goal can get him going just a little bit. I know getting Timo Meyer has kind of shaken things up just a little bit more, but I'll talk about that in the second segment.
But I'm just like, Jack Hughes, can you answer on back? And Jack Hughes, he was able to score the first goal of the game for the Devils. And not only that, but what I saw from Jack Hughes was that he was just being a criminal out there. He was, what I mean by that, he was pit-pocketing the Hurricanes. Like, he was putting pressure on them. And that dynamic between him and Jesper Bratt, it was just poetry in motion. It was just a sight to behold. And something I'm also going to talk about later in the episode is, should Jesper Bratt remain on the same line as Jack Hughes, or should he just stay on the third line, wherever the case might be? But I just saw great determination from Jack Hughes. But I think the biggest storyline going into the game was Vitek Vancek because I had my concerns. A lot of other Devils fans had their concerns because, let's face it, the last few outings for Vitek Vancek prior to this Carolina Hurricanes game hasn't been his best showing throughout the course of the year. We're looking for that Vesna caliber Vitek Vancek that we saw in the first half of the year. And now, like I asked Lindy Ruff, like, look, can Vitek Van, is there a concern for Vitek Vancek? And he said, you have to look at some of the goals that are being let up. And I agreed with them, which is, yes, the defense sometimes in front of Vancek hasn't been good. But Vitek Vancek, if you want to be considered a great goalie, you have to make some of those saves. You have to have better rebound control. And Vitek Vancek, out the gate, making great A save after great A save after great A save. And I, I don't even know which, which save to highlight because he was able to make a few good saves in period number one. He made a few great saves in period number two. And he kept his foot on the gas pedal in period number three. So Vitek Vanacek was just amazing that game. And he basically squashed all the doubt going into that game. And he was like, I am here. And this is why I am the starting goalie for this team. That was a statement game for Vitek Vanacek. And if there was a time for Vitek Vanacek to turn around a little bit, to get out of his slump and to break out of that mentality, it was that game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Vitek Vanacek answered the call. Jack Hughes answered the call. The whole Devils team answered the call for that game against the Carolina Hurricanes game. And that was a statement victory in front of their fan base. And that had playoff atmosphere. I wasn't at the Rock, obviously. But watching on TV, I was just like, this is a playoff game for the Devils. This is a true test for them going forward. Because it's like, this is what the playoffs are, is going to feel like. This is what the pressure is going to be like. Can you step up to the plate? So losing a big game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a game that they should have had, yes, that's disappointing. Yes, that's gut-wrenching. Yes, you're going to get a lot of naysayers saying this, that, and the third. But how do you rebound from that? How do you come back from that adversity? And we saw it in the Hurricanes game. So, yes, it was sad that they lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs in that sort of fashion. It sucks, and it's frustrating that the Toronto Maple Leafs seem to always give the New Jersey Devils some uh, big, disappointing losses. But at the same time, I'm kind of grateful in a way for it because come a couple games later, I'd say the Devils arguably played one of their best games of the season. So let's not lose sight of that. So that game against the Carolina Hurricanes game, if this was a game recap or whatever the case might be, I'm going to have to give the Devils a solid A in that one because our star players stepped up, Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, Vitek Vanacek, and the defense tightened it up when it mattered most. And that's what I like to see. It's not like you did it against the San Jose Sharks or the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Arizona Coyotes. It's not like you did it for one of those lower level teams no you did it against one of the best of the best teams in the entire nhl 
So the Devils should be very proud of their overall effort in that matchup. Okay, so I talked about how a lot of star players stepped up to the plate in the game against the Carolina Hurricanes for the Devils. Now, one player that I think a lot of people are concerned about or talking about on Twitter, which I don't even know why we're trying to create this narrative, but here we are. It's something I've been seeing just float around uh, social media, like I just said, but it's Timo Meyer and his lack of pro- productivity for the Devils. And I'm going to explain what, where, why I'm not concerned for Timo Meyer because I think his production is there. It just doesn't meet the eye test. So in Timo Meyer's first five games for New Jersey Devils, he has one goal, which results in just one point. He has a plus minus of minus one, and he has spent eight minutes in the penalty box. If you need reference, in 57 games this season for the San Jose Sharks, he has only spent 25 minutes in the penalty box. So a lot of people are creating this false narrative saying like, is Timo Meyer overrated? Or when should we be concerned about Timo Meyer? Why isn't he producing? I'm going to, I'm going to just like, like how BTEC Vancheck squashed all that doubt uh, going into that matchup against the Hurricanes. I'm going to squash all that doubt that you have for Timo Meyer. First and foremost, let's get something out the way. He is still trying to get adjusted to a new team. He's trying to get adjusted to a new system, a new culture, because the culture in San Jose is way different than it is in New Jersey. And that's not a knock at San Jose, but let's face it. They're on two different paths. You got San Jose. They're tanking for Connor Bedard. And you got the New Jersey Devils. They're, if not this year, they're trying to compete for a Stanley Cup in the near future. So you, you got two teams on two different directions. Your role has changed because it's one of the X factors I said when Timo Meyer made his debut against the Arizona Coyotes, which is, I said, you got to factor in Jack Hughes. You got to factor in Nico Keisher. You got to factor in Jesper Bratt. So not only do those guys need to get their respective uh, puck possession or chances, whatever the case might be, you got another big name player to add to the mix, and that's Timo Meyer. So it's not like the Devils got like a like three Curtis Lazar kind of players, and it's just like insert them into the lineup, see where it fits. It's not like they got a prospect. It's like, you, you know what, kid, go out there, do your thing. No, 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 no. Big name player. It's going to take a minute for them to try to get Timo Meyer fully involved in the game plan. Now, here's something that doesn't uh, meet the eye test, which is I saw that Timo Meyer was actually having a solid game for the Devils. Unfortunately, it just didn't result in a goal. So if you need proof, according to James Nichols, Timo Meyer was leading the expected goals for the New Jersey Devils through the first 40 minutes of that game. Jesper Bratt leading in actual goals. Eric Holla continues to play real well, too. Timo Meyer's expected goals number was 0.481. Jesper Bratt, remember, he actually scored two goals. It was 0.447. And then for Eric Holla, it was 0.358. So I'm just saying, like, Timo Meyer was actually uh, producing somewhat good for the Devils in the previous game against the Hurricanes. However, it just didn't result in a goal. And that's going to happen. And something else I want to factor in is that that at least I believe in period number two, when the Devils were on the power play, I saw Timo Meyer and company actually perform really well on the man advantage. However, it just didn't result in a power play goal. But I said, like, like, just just think about this for a second, guys. Just just like bear with me. If that team is able to connect, if that unit is able to find that chemistry, if they're able to get it going come playoff time, 
That top power play, Jack Hughes, Timo Meyer, Nico Kiescher, Jesper Bratt, Dougie Hamilton, mark my words, that power play is going to be a problem throughout the rest of the league. So my thing for Timo Meyer is like his first five games for the Devils, have they been memorable? I mean, he did score uh, in his first game appearance for the Devils against the Arizona Coyotes. I was in attendance for that. He did get the uh, the shootout goal for the Devils that resulted in the win against the Washington Capitals. I want to give him his flowers for that. And yes, he's spending a little bit more time in the penalty box than I'm sure he would like to. But at the same time, he's just trying to get accustomed to it. Lindy Ruff is still trying to find ways to uh, factor him in. He's still trying to get used to this different culture, this different system. So I don't care if Timo Meyer doesn't produce for like the next 10 or so games or whatever many games uh, remain in this season. As long as he gets it going come playoff time, I'm perfectly content with that. Because the reason why the Devils got Timo Meyer was to push him over the edge in terms of being a playoff caliber team. That's what buyers do. That's what teams do when they get these big name players and they're trying to make a push for the playoffs. It's like, how can this player perform or help us come playoff time? Devils needed some aggression. They needed some toughness and they need somebody to protect Jack Hughes because let's face it in a seven game series, teams are going to be gunning for that tiny good player in Jack Hughes and Timo Meyer can do the dirty work and can help protect Jack Hughes in that sort of sense. Similar to what Eric Halla was doing early on this year, which is why Eric Halla remained on that line with Jack Hughes. So when people are freaking about, about Timo Meyer, or when I see a tweet saying, I'll give it six games before, um, but before this experiment with Timo Meyer fails, or whatever the case might be, or what, what was that tweet? I, I don't want to call out anyone on this show, but saw a tweet lingering around saying like, I'll give it six games uh, for, for Timo Meyer. And I'm just like, and what, like, what's going to happen? Like Timo Meyer, I don't care if he has zeros across the board for the next six games. He's not going to be a healthy scratch. So then I, I, I don't really get it. But the point I'm trying to make is pump the brakes on Timo Meyer. Be very patient. And remember what we got him for. We got him specifically to help us in the playoffs. So Timo Meyer, as long as he's clicking come playoff time, as long as he's clicking with Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, whatever the case might be, as long as Lindy Ruff is able to get those four players plus Dougie Hamilton, their respective offensive reps come playoff time, and the Devils are able to put up like five or seven or so goals come playoff time against their opponent, whoever that might be, I'm perfectly okay with that. So as long as the Devils are getting the points to finish out the regular season, as long as they're trying to figure out that correct system with Timo Meyer, let's not overreact here. Now, speaking of lineups, there's a couple of decision makings at the hands of Lindy Ruff that I have to question him on. And we're going to talk about that momentarily. But before we continue, I want you guys to eat a little healthier. So you know what? I'm going to get you hip to AG1. It's a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to be happier. I wanted to be healthier. My body's a temple. I got to start treating as such. So what is the stuff with one delicious scoop of AG1? You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and abstinence to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, and all of those things. It's lifestyle is friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. While still tasting good, supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing that's best about Athletic Greens is that it uses best of the best 
products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with the convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. But look out after your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now, while we're on the subject of health, let me tell you about another product that I like to consume, and it's Built Bar. So looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. So I know one of your New Year's resolutions was probably eat a little healthier, so maintain that resolution. you got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for stars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. Not sure how Built does it, but somehow, some way, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Okay, so let's talk about some of these lineup decisions by Lindy Ruff. He's like a pancake. He flip-flops his line combinations, and I'm a little confused by it, and hopefully he stops it come playoff time. But one of the more controversial moves was moving Jesper Bratt down to the bottom six. Now, here's the thing. I kind of understand his initial thought pattern, which is, is like, I, I think he's just trying to give more wiggle room for Timo Meyer to get that chemistry with Jack Hughes. And let's face it, Jesper Boquist, he's after that game against the Arizona Coyotes, he's been performing pretty well. And he deserved his, his shake at it or crack at it on the top six. But at the same time, it does raise the question, which is, does Jesper Bratt truly belong on that third line? Does he belong on the bottom six? Because it's just a little weird because during the course of the season, Jesper Bratt has appeared in 66 games and he has 60 total points. So while he's not a point-per-game player, he was definitely hovering in that ballpark throughout a good majority of the year. So my thing is simply this, is like um, once Timo Meyer starts to get it going a little bit, probably get Jesper Brack back onto that second line because look look at the previous game against the Hurricanes, which is Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes had a dynamic duo connection. So that should definitely ring some bells and maybe get Lindy Ruff to change his thought pattern just a little bit more because I know I get the mindset. I get that you want to have like less firepower on one line just because let's face it, you got Jesper Bratt, you got Timo Meyer, you got Jack Hughes playing on the same line. It's hard. It's really hard. And it's what I talked about in the previous segment, which is how do you try to get all those guys going? And unfortunately for Jesper Bratt, he's the odd man out because we're not going to move Timo Meyer to the bomb six. That's not going to happen. Jack Hughes to the bomb six. That's just laughable. If, if Jack Hughes ever moves to down to the bottom six, then I will personally quit locked on devils. I will personally stop covering the devils. That should never happen under any circumstance, but digressing a little bit, 
Unfortunately, Jesper Bratt is the odd man out. And it's a curse and a blessing. The, the blessing is that, like, the Devils get some help for their third line a little bit. And, you know, Andre Pallant and Eric Kala are already down there. So one thing we've been always talking about throughout the course of the year was that the, the top six is always performing well. The, the BMW line has been somewhat impactful. But that third line, especially when Sharon Govich was still in the lineup, was always that question mark. It was always that line that seemed very inconsistent and did little to nothing. And uh, and like whenever Dawson Mercer was like playing on that line, we were just like Dawson Mercer doesn't belong down there, and he needs to be brought up in order to um, in order to have a bigger impact. And lo and behold, he's playing on that top line with Thomas Shatar and Nico Heischer, which by the way that line needs a nickname. But um, yeah, so. Yeah, we always found a way to complain about that third line somehow, some way. But for Jesper Bratt, he adds more offense. He adds more firepower. He could be the leader for that third line, and he could be the shoulder that uh, that Andre Pilat and Eric Kahlo rely on. I know Andre Pilat is the, the veteran, but in terms of racking up the points, that goes to Jesper Bratt all day, every day. No questions asked, no debate. But And the, the curse is it's just like Jesper Bratt, I, we know that he – doesn't really belong down there and unfortunately it's just sad that um that we're giving more favoritism to Timo Meyer, but it has to that's just how it's going to have to be until Jack Hughes and Timo Meyer get that connection going just a little bit more so it's a curse and a blessing I think it definitely has more ups than downs and I'm sure Jesper Bratt understands the circumstance hopefully it doesn't piss him off to the point where he doesn't want to resign I don't think that's the mindset that's worst case scenario but still uh, I get that for Lindy Ruff, but the one thing I don't get is why keep Kevin Ball in the lineup. I was actually genuinely impressed with what Kevin Ball was doing was doing during the course of the Carolina Hurricanes game because I saw him keeping offensive possessions alive for the Devils. I saw him using his big body frame to assert himself. I saw Kevin Ball be very productive out there, and I'm, I'm sure when someone looks at his stats, they're going to be like, oh, Kevin Ball, nothing special. No, he has a lot of potential. And he's been performing really well on that blue line for Devils. Like, I know, like, like a month or so ago, we were complaining about Kevin Ball being like a turnover machine. We were saying, like, he's basically like a stork or he's Bambi out there, which is he, he has this big body frame, but yet he just slips and slides. He doesn't know what to do. But he's really surprised me these last few games, and I think he has deserved to have a consistent spot in the lineup. In fact, that's why we have – that open defense uh, defensive spot, it was specifically for Kevin Ball at the beginning of the year. So keep utilizing it. I love Brendan Smith and all. I love like his veteran leadership, but keep Kevin Ball in the lineup. And this is the issue with Lindy Ruff during the course of the year. And unfortunately, this is a curse of being a good team. You're not giving some of your young guys a chance. And this is something we'll talk about in a future episode, which is Alexander Holtz. He's, he wasn't really given a fair chance when he was up here in the NHL. And that's not fair to him. So my thing is, is simply this, which is I think Kevin Ball deserves more consistent playing time because he's actually performing really well. And I think he has a lot of upside. So for the love of God, Lindy Ruff, stop changing your lineup so often. Stick to what works and keep it there. I really hope he keeps this lineup, especially given how well they played against one of the best NHL teams uh, at the moment during the course of this year. So... Yeah, that, that's my overall thing. That's my mini tangent. Keep Kevin Ball in the lineup. Keep Jesper Brown the third line for right now, but 
you probably should, but given how well he did with Jack Hughes, I don't know. I'm a little, little confused on that one. And I, I, and he's the odd man out, but yeah, it's just a little conflicting, but at the same time, I, I know what has to be done and, and don't worry about Timo Meyer. He will get it going. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. That's about time I have for you. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. I'm back, and I will catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.